Welcome to Equosity, the podcast about all things equine, with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of Clicker Training for Your Horse and many other books and DVDs about clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. Dominique and I love to talk about horses and horse training. So having an excuse to get together to record these podcasts has been great fun. This is part three of a conversation we had with Cindy Martin, one of my Click the Teaches coaches. Cindy hosts a workshop for me at her farm twice a year. On Tuesday morning, before I had to head off to the airport, Cindy and I sat at her dining room table and recorded a very long conversation. Through the wonders of the internet, Dominique was able to join us from her home in Quebec. Cindy and Dominique have not yet met, so in part one, Cindy talked about her training background and the horse that brought her into clicker training. One of the things that I so appreciate about Cindy is her ability to translate what can be very esoteric and at times very hard to understand concepts into metaphors and stories that make them so much more accessible and so much more useful. So that's what I invited her to do during this conversation. In the previous podcast, she talked about a term that has made its way into the training world, and that's dominance. And she also shared a great metaphor that makes it so very clear why, if we want to solve behavior problems, we need to teach a broad repertoire of preferred behaviors to our animals. Her example of an MP3 player that comes with three or four songs installed, none of which you may like, drives home the point. In this podcast, we continue on with this discussion of repertoire. We'll pick up where we left off in the previous podcast. At the beginning of the weekend on the drive from the airport, we were chatting and you were talking about keys to a good training program for the horse or a dog is this expanding of repertoire, that repertoire and duration were sort of the two keys of really stabilizing a dog's behavior and ability to live in a household or the relationship with a horse. Absolutely. I dabbled in clicker training for a really long time in the horse world, and I followed the email lists and the discussions, and then, you know, when a lot of it moved to Facebook, I followed a lot of things there. So over the years, I've seen a lot of people get into clicker training horses, be really excited about it, you know, evangelical. They want to go out and convert everybody, everybody in their barn, everybody in their region. Why isn't everybody doing this? And I so appreciated your comment, I think, in the not the most recent podcast, the one just before that, about how relieved you sort of felt, Dominique, when you felt that you you didn't feel obligated to go out and try to convert everybody all the time and sell them on it. That's right. I really appreciated that. So here are all these people, they, they get started and then they don't, they don't start to build duration into their work or they, they say, I'm not going to move on until I have targeting perfected. Well, what does that even look like? Or the people that say, oh, well, once the behavior is complete, then you put it on, you know, a variable reinforcement schedule and da, 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 da. And, and I'm thinking, I have yet 
to reach a point where I ever felt any behavior was complete. And that's probably because Alex's work is so, the, the levels and the depths of it, you know, we, people joke, joke about peeling the onion and you peel a layer and there's another layer there and another layer. And so there's all these incredible levels of nuance that you can work on with the horse and a horse is so big and there's so many moving parts that there's always some part of it you can focus on and and improve a little bit or tweak or change for a situation so i see these people get started and where i see my dog clients struggle as well is that they don't start to build duration into their behaviors particularly the calm behaviors let's face it most dogs, it's really easy to amp them up. Most of the time I'm going to see somebody, it's because their dog is already out of balance between his energetic behaviors and his calm behavior. He doesn't know how to find his way back to calm, except maybe when he's in his crate or the whole house has gone quiet for the night. And so showing him that, showing them that their dog can settle down while people are moving around the house, while the vacuum cleaner is running, when the doorbell rings, and building duration into that is really important. And having enough behaviors that the animal doesn't get stuck with, he's only got two options that he can offer to earn reinforcement, it, it limits, it, it still leaves the room, if you've only got two extra songs on the iPad, if you turn on play very quickly, you're going to get down to those four other songs that you don't like. So you've got to add in, broaden that repertoire so the animal has more opportunities to be right and to earn reinforcement. We saw a great example of the ability to help a horse calm and settle on the first day of the clinic this week this weekend. We had a couple of people who were going to borrow your horses to work with in during the clinic and one of the horses we were going to use is a thoroughbred that you've fairly recently brought into the, into your horse family and she's an off-the-track thoroughbred. She was in a very traditional school line and when you first got her, when you took her away from the other horses, she would become very anxious and so on. So um, do you want to take it from, from there in terms of what happened this weekend with her? It yeah. Was really it, pretty. It was interesting, and it immediately made me think of you and Canel, Dominique, and your explanation in the recent podcast about how, now with, with Canel, it was you know, excitement over squirrels. Right. And I understand that because my personal dog is, let's just say, on the excitable side of things. And very very easily stimulated by movement yeah. and sounds and things in the environment. So I was excited when you were talking about how you were clicking and, and gradually were able to bring Canel's focus to you and away from the squirrels and things. So here was Grace, and she was we'd brought her and my other mare, Scout, into the barn, and we've got walkouts off of the barn stalls. And we were going to have the people who, there were two people who were going to work with them. And we wanted to introduce them through the regular process of do targeting, through protected contact, let the horse start to build a relationship with this person, learn how this person 
delivers their reinforcers, let this person learn to observe this horse and kind of see how she moves. You know, is she quick to take the treats? Is she steady? Does she search your hand for more? What does she do? Just so that they could kind of get acquainted before we just threw them in together. Well, I thought, I didn't even think about it at the time, that I thought Grace will be fine because Scout will be right there. Well, where Grace was, she couldn't see around the corner of the barn to the pasture where the rest of the herd was, the rest of the family. And she immediately started, I'm sure you can just picture it, that hysterical and, thoroughbred. And, and she had horses she didn't know on either side of her. On the other side. On the other she side. A familiar right. horse on one side, horses she didn't know on the other side. And she started that hysterical thoroughbred, you know, run the fence line back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth with her head up in the air and vocalizing mm. and making these tight, hard turns and, and, you know, don't get in her way. You did not want to be in her way. And so I know her pretty well and I've been around a lot of horses and a lot of thoroughbreds over the years. So we watched her for a minute and I thought, oh, well, at this point, it would be difficult to even go in and put her halter back on and take her back out. And I was really hoping this wasn't going to be a complete disaster because <laughs> this woman had come a long ways to, to get an opportunity to work with a horse with Alex teaching. So I went in, and I haven't, I haven't really progressed Grace's clicker training to a very sophisticated level yet. I've been very gradual in bringing her around and it's it's she's come out of a shell because of it. So right. but she came with when when you got her her feet were in really bad shape. So you've had to go really slowly with her in terms of what you could do with the training just because you had to wait for her feet to We had to be careful. You yeah. had to be careful. So she's really a beginner clicker horse in terms of a lot of the training because of that and and you move so you you've been building a barn instead of training horses that's right but she she does love her mats and she was the classic I can twist myself in a pretzel knot to avoid a mat when we started and now she's all about the mats and she loves her targeting so I just went in and I held out my fist the person who was trying to work with her outside was was not having a lot of luck and I just went in and had, held out my fist, and she touched it, and I clicked. And she swirled past me, and then she came back, and I just held the treat. I just stood there and held the treat out. She came back and took the treat, a bit roughly, but she took it. And then she, you know, her head went back up, and her eye, the whites of her eyes were showing, and I held out my fist again, and she touched it. It was quite deliberate, and I clicked and held out the treat, and she moved around a little bit, and then she took the treat. And then I held out my fist. She didn't leave. She didn't swirl past me. She stayed there. And I held out my fist and clicked, held out the treat. And then I held, and she didn't leave. She didn't throw her head in the air. She'd started to settle. I held out my fist again, clicked. I held the treat about six inches below her nose, so she had to stretch down a tiny bit to get it. Then I held out my fist again, and we started to clean up the loop. She stopped moving. It's exactly like what I was experiencing with Canel and the squirrel. It's exactly. The That's why yeah. I thought of you. I was like, oh my yeah. gosh, this is just like what she it's said. It's very, very similar. My horse is sort of panicking and and your dog is super stimulated sort of in the other, the excitement direction. 
and she settled down. She got to where she could just stand there, and then I could wait a little longer before I presented my fist. She would stand quiet. Then we were able to shift to doing grown-ups and build a little duration in the grown-ups and then alternate between grown-ups and targeting, and she settled down. And then, then we could turn her over to the person who was going to be working with her, and she was able to work with her very successfully. So Grace was able to switch from, I'm locked onto Cindy, you're my security blanket, to, oh, this is the person who, who I'm engaged with. So that was very neat. So I just, you know, it brings us back again to this discussion about what are the nuances of emotionality being embedded in our training when does it work for us? When does it, you know, how, because we have all these examples of clicking animals while they're exhibiting behaviors that may not seem very desirable to an observer and being successful in diminishing the intensity of the unwanted behavior and redirecting the animal to a, to a desirable behavior. I think, Cindy, you made a very good point that when you taught Grace originally the targeting, you worked really hard to manage the environment. Mm -hmm. Targeting means calm for her. Yeah, so that you set, you set up the environment, you set up the situation, you set up the time when you were training her, et cetera, et cetera, so that she was as settled as she could be mm. at that time of... When she was first learning it when she was first learning it. Yeah, because if the first time you try to teach her target is in the situation you just described, that's a whole other game. Exactly. And and you know, this is part of the the lessons that that Porter taught me that you need to you know, you need to find that point where you can start find a place where you can start and be successful and what does successful encompass? What what is your definition of successful? Is it just getting the motions or is it getting the motion with the animal in a, relax, a, a relaxed physical state, calm, focused, which just brings us back to loops, to clean loops, mm -hmm. right? You, you know, behaviorally, you may not get a super clean movement wise, like you may not get a super clean loop when you first start targeting because the horse has no idea what you're doing, but if emotionally you have like an, this is going to be a weird idea, an emotionally clean loop, that's important too. Well, I don't think, I, it's not weird at all. That, so that's how I would think of it is, is you have, you have the physical movements, the physical observable movements of the behavior, but you have the, what we're perceiving as the emotional component of the behavior it's, as well. Right. It's emotional behavior is the. Yes. So. How do we perceive what we would label, labeling again, as anxiety or fear or relaxation or that they're feeling calm? There's an emotional manifestation. There's a behavior, there is a physical manifestation, expression of those emotional states. There's a great meme, Dominique, and I'll, I'll try to share it with you, that was created by, I'm proud to say, a friend of mine and training mentor she raises bull terriers i have a bull terrier dog and they are interesting 
dogs and she's written a book and she's developed a protocol for raising puppies to help them be as behaviorally and emotionally resilient as possible as their genetics will allow and she has a meme that says emotion is a criterion Mm. and probably would modify it to say emotional emotional behavior is a criterion in your behaviors. You know, I think we're going to be hearing a lot more this year about emotion. I've heard that Susan Friedman is preparing a presentation on emotion. It's, um, that is a big onion to peel. (laughs) Emotion, emotional behaviors. I think this is not the last conversation we're going to have about this topic. No, not not by any means. And actually, I think that's a great place to draw this particular conversation to a close because I've been clock watching while we've been talking and it is time to wind down because I have to get to the airport. And so I think we will say this is just the start of what I think will be many conversations between the three of us. And we'll, we'll wish everybody a wonderful time with their animals. Yeah, I just, just I can't help myself, Alex. I just want to add, quick, 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 <laughs> just because um, I want to okay, salute Cindy for all the work she did with Porter. Because I think this kind of horse, if she hadn't worked the way she did with him, would probably not be alive anymore. Oh, I can assure you, my husband, at one point my husband said, you need to get rid of him. Yeah. I'm sure. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, you need to get rid of him. And I said, what are you, what are you saying? And he said, he said, you need to sell him. And I said, because people are lining up to buy a 10-year-old thoroughbred with a medical condition that will require medication for the rest of his life, who's basically green broke and challenging to handle. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I could put that on a, on an ad on the Bay Area Equestrian Network. And he said, well, you're never going to make a field hunter out of him. And I looked at my husband and I said, I don't care. I said, I, right. that's not important to me. Like you said, you know, it's not important for every horse to be ridden. I just looked at him and I said, mm. I'm learning some really, really interesting things from him. And I'd like to continue doing that. And he said, oh, well... I just wanted to say that I so appreciate this and I just wanted to say bravo because I your commitment to this horse and he's he's a lucky horse and it's a it's a great story and I'm sure there will be much much more to say about him he will continue to teach you and um it's um I love hearing these stories merci <laughs> and it is horses like this and they can be unbelievably incredibly frustrating incredibly frustrating and heartbreaking because you've 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 gotten this horse whether you bred it or you bought this horse you bought him so that you could fulfill some dream some you wanted to ride and you can't because there's an issue a problem with the horse and they are true heartbreakers but when you remain their champion they are the great teachers you know they are the great teachers that cindy and i are sitting here together in at this table sharing the training stories with you because we have both had these incredible teachers in our lives Mm. and i know that i am unbelievably thankful and grateful 
to my challenging horses, and I wouldn't have traded them for anything, not for anything. Right. Um, because at the end, you know, as, as you begin to solve the problems and to solve the puzzles, because they really aren't problems, they're the puzzles that these horses present, they take you into depths of relationships and discoveries that you wouldn't have dreamt were possible. And they are great gifts that we have in our lives. And one of the things that I'm really appreciative of when Cindy shares story, the Porter's story is that there's somebody listening to this who's at the beginning of their Porter and who's feeling that frustration, the shattered dreams, the frustration of not being able to reach this horse. The husband saying, get rid of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And when we hear these stories, we realize that the tunnel may be long, but there is a light at the end of it, and it's worth going down that tunnel. Well, and what I found is not only is there a light at the end, but once your eyes adjust to the darkness, yes, it's actually you can see you can see really interesting things while you're going through the tunnel. So it ends up you end up really appreciating the process and and appreciating the journey. And I said to Alex this weekend that I knew I had crossed truly crossed a threshold one day when I was working with Porter. This was. Um, quite some time ago when we were working on our lateral flexions and moving around a circle and I was trying to figure out how to ask him he would pop it out if I asked just right but I wasn't sure what I was doing just right and I had Mm. to keep playing with it until I figured out what I was doing right where my hand was where my body was angled how I was stepping how I was breathing everything and I, so I set up to ask for another repetition and he offered something completely different and I just started laughing and that I knew I had changed because I used to be Mm. that person like I have to go out and I have to work my horses and if I'm going to work them I must be doing something that's improving them and to do that I'm going to have to smack them and show them who's boss and make them go if they say no I don't want to go through the river today you must go through the river because you have to go through the river to go on the trail so we can get you fit so you can do your thing and I got to the point where here I was my dream home my horse is living at home. You know, I was the kid that always wanted horses, got my first horse after I was married. Here I am at home in this beautiful place with these horses, and I'm dreading going out to them because that was, that was the narrative of what I thought I needed to do to be with horses. You know, you must ride them. You must improve them. Then to improve them, you must do these things. And I don't want to do those things to my horses, but you must because there's no other option. And so the day that I found myself getting it wrong and, and laughing and not blaming the horse and, and just laughing and feeling even better about it, that's when Alex came out with her, her book on her blog called Joyful Horses, mm. that moment flashed through my head when I read that title that that was my joyful horses moment, my first joyful horses moment. Alex, go catch your plane. I'm, wa- I'm watching the time. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we, have, we have a couple more, because okay. uh, I want to share one more thing from the weekend, which so relates to this, and then I'll go catch my plane. So <laughs> we, worked, we, uh, we worked 
Cindy worked two of her horses. We worked with Rosie, who is her 18-month-ish mule baby. And then we worked with one of your older horses, one of the draft crosses, field hunters, uh, Reuben. And the first day that you rode Reuben, we had a, you had a good ride. We had a good start. People wanted, we worked him sort of at the end of the day. We're, we've got a lot of people who are curious about the single rein riding. And so he's a great horse for you to ride to, for people to see that. And the second day we had, a, it was a long day. And we didn't get to Reuben until after dark. And your arena is set up so that it's open on on three sides so they can the horses can see out but it was after dark and we'd heard the coyotes singing you'd brought Reuben in he was hearing something out there whatever it was he wasn't he wasn't at ease in the arena and you brought him down to where you you normally just have him stand on a mat and you groom him and then as you started to get ready for riding he gave you a clear no he walked off and and you went with him and you went down to the far end of the arena. You reconnected with him. You brought him back down to the mat. You picked up your saddlecloth and he gave you a clear no. And he walked off. And we said, it's perfectly fine. If this is not a riding night, we don't have to ride. Now, imagine we're in a clinic. We've got people watching. We're trying to show people that, oh, you definitely want to clicker train. And here we have a horse who's saying, no, I don't want to, not tonight. And we honored that. That was the lesson. That was the lesson. We honored that. And so he went back to his family and whatever was he needed to deal with out in that field, he could deal with. And so yesterday you brought him in and he gave you an absolutely clear yes stood on his mat beautifully while you saddled him you brought out the bridle he reached out and self-bridled the way clicker train horses do he lined himself up magnificently to the mounting block which is a strong behavior that you have taught him and you got on and you did a beautiful 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 ride and that i think moved him a little further into oh look I didn't realize this was available at this already in the riding, and it was a really pretty demonstration of the single rein riding for people to see what it looks like and how it works. And I was just, just so um, goosebumps watching it. Perfect example of allowing a horse voice to be heard. Yep, yep. Normally, people would have said you can't let him say no because he will always say no afterwards well guess what the next day said a big yes yes we honor the yeses we celebrate the yeses and we honor the noes and that creates an unbelievable relationship with the horses and on that note <laughs> uh we're going to say goodbye because now you have to run to the airport yes so that i can go see my horses yeah. Well, have a safe flight, Alex. Yep, and we'll we'll be in touch very soon. Bye. Right. Bye. Bye. Before we sign off for the week, here's a quick announcement. We've added a couple of short videos to the library. The first clip is a lovely one showing the greeting ritual between Cindy Martin and her thoroughbred porter. The second video was taken at the Fall 2018 Clinic at Cindy's place 
and features her big field hunter, Reuben. We were working on lateral flexions. The video clip shows the connection between groundwork and riding. I often say groundwork is just riding where you get to stand up, and riding is groundwork where you get to sit down. It's the same lesson. If you aren't familiar with lateral work or the single rein riding that you're seeing, don't worry about trying to figure out what we were doing or why. The real message of this clip is the connection between the groundwork and the riding. Prime a lesson on the ground first, and it is available to you under saddle. If you want to learn more about the techniques you're seeing in this lesson, visit my website, theclickercenter.com. That's the gateway into a wealth of information on clicker training. In the website store, you'll find all the books and DVDs and the online course. You'll find lots of instructional material to get you started. You can also visit my blog, theclickercenterblog.com, for more articles on clicker training. So how do you get to the Equosity Library? If you have already subscribed to the site, you will have been sent the password for the library section of the website. Go to equosity.com to log in. If you haven't yet subscribed, it's easy. Again, go to equosity.com and scroll down to the library section. Fill out the subscription form and we'll email you the library password. There you'll find articles and videos that add more content to the many podcasts we've published. So enjoy the videos, and next week we'll begin another series of podcasts. Happy holidays, everyone. <laughs>